Hi everyone, welcome to Rest Between Sets. This is the podcast to listen to while you rest. Between the Sets, life is a program for you. Join me in tackling all things health and fitness, spirituality and mental health along with other guest speakers. We're going to dive in deep to find out how they're all interconnected in creating the recipe of becoming the best version of ourselves because why not, right? <laughs> this is your host, Danny. Let's do this. For this episode, I share this conversation with Georgie Gorman, owner of Holistic Sister in Footscray, Melbourne West. Georgie takes us through a timeline from young adulthood to molding herself as a women's coach to now an entrepreneur and a mother. We shared our musings about the importance of mastering the basics, the other side of pushing past adversity, the new journey Georgie is now in, which is motherhood and so, so much more. George's grace and wisdom powered this episode and I can't wait for you all to be embraced by it because it was just so warm and fuzzy talking to her. This conversation was such a pleasure to have and I hope you guys enjoy it. So you're the owner of Holistic Sister. You're a new mum. You've got all of these new labels, I guess. How is that for you? How's everything going for you? Right now things are great. Turning leaves pretty dreamy, really. Yeah. But having this space for the six sister to actually wander to throughout my weeks, being you know places sort of reprieve. I love being a mum more than I thought I would at the, the early stages of mm. a newborn. But I feel very grateful. I've got a pretty dreamy baby. She sleeps, she feeds. Yeah. Doing all the right things and not keeping me up too much at night. Yeah, awesome. And pretty cruisy through the day. So she's at the moment. We just kind of. Yeah, whatever yeah. you want to do, do lots of activities, yeah. dogs, so yeah. And just bring it with you. Yeah. 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 You know, the weather's been fabulous, yeah. so being able to get out and do things outside's been yeah. really nice at the moment um, in Melbourne. Mm. 12 years from now, when Lenny grows up, she'll probably be listening to this one and be like, yeah, it was a good baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe shouldn't sort of you know tell her too much about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, it's just a secret. She can't hold on to that forever and use as yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a few steps back and actually let the listeners get to know you a bit more because obviously you've gotten a lot. You've you've had a lot of life experiences from from the start of your coaching career to then opening Holistic Sister to, you know, the pandemic and all that kind of stuff to getting pregnant and being a mum and all that kind of... There's so many things involved in your timeline. So I guess just briefly or as long as much as you can share about your background, like your work background, personal... I was thinking about this the other day but where my influence sort of came from or, you know, how I actually started to get involved in the fitness industry and all of that... And it's not something that I've actually thought too deeply about before. But I guess when I did think about it, a lot of it came from my love for sport. You know, from a really young age, I was really engaged in all different types of sport. I wasn't a master at any of them or, you know, excelled in any particular sport in particular. But it was something that I just enjoyed and I pursued through all of my schooling life. I didn't excel exceedingly in yeah. <laughs> the stream um, at school and I wasn't particularly engaged in that area either so I you know really put a lot of my focus into my sporting subjects or my health subjects at yeah. school. I was also really lucky to go to a school that had a strong focus on vocational education so I was able to be part of a couple of vet subjects and so I studied surf 
one and two in fitness. Mm. Uh, I also did a certificate in dance as well. So that got me, I guess, you know, more interested or, you know, started that path that you could actually have a job in, yeah. in a gym one day. I had a boutique fitness and Pilates studio on the surf coast where I grew up, which I didn't realise at the time, but looking back actually probably had um, a bigger influence on me than I, you know, probably gave credit for, you know, years ago. And in particular, there was this one woman that I worked with who was the gym manager, Marietta. I didn't realise, I guess, at the time how wonderful she was in the way that she actually gave me so much hands-on work as mm. you know, a 15-year-old, someone who was more or less a, a work experience kid that had this part-time job in this, you know, small boutique studio. And she would allow me to, you know, be involved in a lot of the fitness assessments and movement screens, you know, allow me to take through basic workouts with some of their clients and, yeah. and be involved in that process, which, you know, in those stages when you are sort of, you know, in a gym, whether it's work experience or, you know, a part-time job, often you're the person cleaning the equipment and yeah. that's, you know, and that's, you know, filing programs and things like that. So it was actually a really positive experience looking back that I, you know, probably yet didn't appreciate as much mm. um, at the time. From there I studied personal training straight after school and moved to the UK and I guess kind of started my career there. Um, I had a really great experience as a personal trainer in the UK in London working in Kensington. I was, you know, essentially a beginner in the industry and, you know, didn't know much at all but I worked alongside some really experienced and highly qualified trainers who I learned a huge amount from and was able to start implementing more advanced work in my own training and with my clients. Again, you know, I probably didn't appreciate, you know, what was in front of me or what I was learning at the time until I actually left the UK and, and started again, you know, when mm. I came back to Australia as well. Yeah, so that's kind of like how I got into the industry. Yeah. I've been in and out of it, you know, for, for quite some time, as a lot of personal trainers do, we sort of float in and out, but I always come back. Yeah. And, you know, and here we are now. Yeah. I actually started with the same pathway as well. Like I did the, my vet subject, my cert three, and then when I was eighteen, so when I was in year twelve, and then did PT. Like studied PT when I got out of school. So I guess like I feel like that's the normal pathway for the younger PTs now. Because school, I was I went to Mildura Senior, and which is a public school, and office busy and VCAL and vet subjects as well so I guess in that regard I was able to actually reach through like instead of just going straight to VCE I was able to do both and it is a different way of I guess like if you're willing to go into that different way of learning it really gives you that freedom to explore that instead of like even just what you said the traditional way of learning where you write essays you sit down for hours and you read books for hours because of because for me for that because of that experience now i know that the uni life isn't for me no yeah. matter how much i want to force it it just doesn't i i just can't sit down and write essays like i i would rather be able to show and be hands on than sit down and then write about sigmund freud or something like yeah. that it's a really good point I think that you make that it does 
allow people to understand what type of learner they are. Mm. And I think most people in our industry, you know, would, would say that they are kinesthetic learners, that yeah. like, you know, physically doing things to understand them. And that was me wholeheartedly. If I can physically show you what I'm learning, yeah. then I'm, you know, that's, that's my way of sort of understanding something mm. through movement. And it validates your knowledge as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to reiterate that, when I did go to uni to study nutrition, actually studying and, you know, sitting down and mm. reading and listening for hours and hours and I did find really challenging. Yeah. Um, that's, that was, it took me probably to my third year of studying <laughs> till I really got it. Yeah. <laughs> I really like, oh, it sank in, in. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a shame I didn't know this or, you know, was able to do this in, you know, first year. Um, yeah. But, yeah. No, I did get there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I really wanted to point out was when you said that you had that work experience in the South Coast and then also in the UK you weren't able to I guess see the not see the importance but see the value of it until you stepped it up. Is that something that you have seen within other people as well? Like they don't really see the value of it in the moment, but once they step out of it and try to apply in their life, that's when they're like, yeah, that does make I sense. Think, I think that's very common for yeah. everyone to have had that experience at some stage in their life that mm. they, you know, they were positively influenced by something or someone or an experience, whether it be good or bad, and then you don't really appreciate it until you know, yeah. later on. I think everyone understands that feeling or has experienced that. Um, I think also part of it was, you know, a maturity thing as well. Yep. That, you know, I you know, was quite young, you know, through these experiences and maybe didn't have the maturity to really understand, you know, how, how lucky I was to have those experiences and, yep. to, and to work with such incredible people. I think through most of my working career until I opened Holistic Sister, you know, even when I was a teenager and lots of different part-time jobs, I was always the younger one. I was mm. always the junior. Yeah. And and I love that because I had people above me with way more experience and way more knowledge and people mm. that I could always learn from. And I loved learning from other people. And I think being the, the old mature one scared me a little bit. Yeah. And then one... I had to become that person. Mm. You know, it was a little bit scary, and it still is a little bit scary yep. that you know I am now the other one that you know is you know being looked up to. Yeah, yeah. being looked up to and having to um, having to <laughs> share my knowledge, <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the experience yep. of being a junior, and you know as much as I do now, it's you know, I guess mm. you know, I'm old now. <laughs> You're not old. <laughs> so everything that. Um, you just shared transitions really well to my next question, which is, what's your why? Why did you start coaching? What what happened when you were in VCE? That what triggered that one to be a coach? I guess a teacher as well, because I feel like coaching is similar to teaching. Yeah, what's what started into it? Yeah. I think the feeling that you get from living a healthy lifestyle mm. which is like so lame to actually sort of you know articulate it in that way but just that that positive feeling that you get was something that I wanted to share with other people yeah. 
I'm very self-aware and sensitive person. So I experience, I guess, the, the highs and lows of, you know, living a healthy or unhealthy lifestyle, you know, quite dramatically and, and very in tune with that as well. So the feeling that you might get, you know, like that, that runner's high, for example, mm. you know, you go for a run, you come home and you're literally elated, you know, tuning into that is going, wow, that is an epic feeling. I want to replicate that. I want to feel that again. Or I want to then share that yeah. with someone. Or the feelings of drinking too much alcohol in comparison to, you know, not drinking alcohol mm. and, and, you know, being well hydrated. Like, they are vastly, vastly different feelings. And a lot of people aren't particularly in tune with actually how you eat and drink and live, actually how that actually makes you feel. Yeah. But I guess... You know, from a young age, I was quite in tune with how that made me feel. I knew that, you know, and I was a large sugar when I was a teenager, but I knew that it actually made me feel crap. But I knew that, you know, eating lots of fruits and vegetables and things like that made me feel good. Yeah. And I knew that exercising made me feel good. And I love that feeling of, of how the, the energy or the empowerment, you know, and feeling strong from, from exercise. I wanted to share that. And I guess that's probably what influenced me sort of, you know, pursuing it as a career. Yeah. Awesome. And now that you've gone into, obviously, Holistic Sister is an all-women's gym. How did you make the decision around opening up an all-women's gym? If you asked me 10, you know, years ago, yeah. you know, if this is sort of where I'd be, I definitely wouldn't have said that I was on uh, a path to opening up a women's gym. Absolutely not. Before, prior to Holistic Sister, I had a really eclectic sort of group of um, clients and always had, you know, historically in my early years, most of my clients were actually males. Mm. But there was this one group of women, I've mentioned this a few times, that I coach in a semi-private group in St Kilda, which was legit one of the best experiences that I had in my you know, my coaching career. It was, we were six women, they were a very eclectic bunch, we were all very, very, very different. Um, different experiences, different backgrounds, different ages, but it was a very supportive and safe space for these women to, to exercise. They kept each other accountable. They turned up every single week for their couple of sessions. And we laughed, we had fun, and you know, we shared things, you know, about ourselves that, you know, you may not otherwise be, you know, be sharing with, you know, other people. And it mm. was it was more so much more than just the exercise. Yeah. Although they got so much out of that as well. So physically, you know, they you know, they went from, you know, not being able to, to hang on the monkey bars for, you know, very long at all to, you know, to very closely being able to do unassisted, you know, chin-ups and pull-ups yeah. or not being able to squat to then be able to do an ass to grass, you know, barbell yeah. squat, those type of things. But the mental and emotional benefit that they gained and I gained from that group was, was invaluable and it was something that I really wanted to replicate. A lot of those women also joined that group because they felt safe being in a group of women. There was yeah. a, something that they really um, that seemed important to them and they felt like they were going to get something more out of that, that group in particular. Mm. And then I realised that there's not enough of that out there 
for strength training in particular. Mm. A lot of the sort of you know female focused or dominated uh, fitness industries, are, you know, more like yoga and your Pilates. Yeah. You know, it's obviously Fernwood and things like that. But there wasn't. It's not a lot out there that is focused more on that sort of more performance style um, mm. strength training or high intensity interval training. Uh, something a bit more gritty, you know, I yeah. suppose. And I just didn't see that out there. But I wanted to create a safe space for women to to feel that they can be a part of, you know, that side of fitness as well. Yeah. So obviously you saw like a lot of. Um, a tight-knit group of women, or like a, an exclusive uh, gym only for women, um, from your experience then. From that, was it was the next step to open up a gym? Um, it was actually my sister who encouraged the process. Yeah. It was, I guess, a, a bit of a gift from her to pursue that as an actual reality. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have had the confidence or I guess you know the the know-how to do so without yeah. her push I yeah. guess encouragement that it is you know it's a possibility and you know mm. you can do it and yeah so I, I really got to give a lot of credit to to Grace for us actually yeah. <laughs> making this a reality because I, I, I really don't believe that I would have had the confidence to, yeah. to do it myself and she wholeheartedly believe that I had something to offer um, women on a, on a grander scale and that I was I was capable of you know running my own business mm-hmm. and I guess I you know there's probably that part of me back then that was not just confidence but uh, scared of working really really hard yeah <laughs> as well um, and you know she's not afraid of hard work at all so working really hard to maintain business do you mean or the whole lot like yeah. you know from start to finish you know from yeah. everything from you know creating a business plan to yeah. understanding you know cancel permits or mm. getting a business loan all of those different you know aspects that yeah. go into actually you know opening a business and then actually then maintaining it, you know, being responsible for um, people walking in the door yeah. and, you know, and giving them a really good experience and service. Mm. So I think all of that's a little bit scary because it's yeah. wholeheartedly your responsibility at that stage. I completely resonate yeah. with that <laughs> When I opened my coffee van, I thought, I mean, it's a, probably a smaller type of business compared to opening up a gym, but it's definitely you know what do I call the um, business like what how am I going to generate money how am I going to I guess invest my money so that it just doesn't sit there I mean I didn't get a business loan but I did get a family loan like how do I then pay off my family I was gonna there's just so many things involved in the background while you're running as well which is another completely different story like how how would you then keep your members happy like what's going to keep them coming back and yeah yeah so i guess what if i get sick what you know exactly you got to fall back on if you know things don't work and it is it's all your responsibility Mm -hmm. but i think there's a lot of freedom 
and empowerment in that as well when you are forced into that situation it's like oh shit now you've got this coffee van <laughs> what do I do with it I've, yeah. got to, I've got to keep this alive you exactly. know, it's my responsibility to yeah. keep alive and no one else's responsibility to, to look after or yeah. to pick up the pieces for you it's you know it's completely it's all yours exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think about it I think about my coffee van a lot like how do I market it how do I reach out to people so they know that you know this thing is existing yeah but then again a lot of people do say that that's the hardest bit putting your name out there mm. and once you've created networks obviously you know that just kind of does the work for you but does that also takes a long time yeah and what you put out is what also what you put out is also what you get 100 percent. yeah and that's something that i struggled with a lot as well and from like early early days I had so many people tell me you've got to you've got to market yourself mm. a lot more than you are I'm like oh, I don't want it to be about me I want it to be about the gym and what's going yeah. on inside and things like that I'm like no you need to market you first mm. three years later I've gone oh, I really should have done that a lot more yeah. because it took me a really long time to realize that people were coming in to see me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to come in to see me, but essentially for that whole time, I was the only one in here, so yeah. of course they were. Um, so I did kind of go about it a little bit the wrong way, but, you know, networking and all of that, like I struggle yes. with, you know, there's, I am naturally a bit of an introvert, mm. and so I don't love putting myself out there yeah. all the time. So in the gym, you'll see me very comfortable and I love being that you know, centre of attention for a period of time, but 70% of my day is spent on my own. That's yeah. where I'm recharging. I love my own space, mm. just me and my doggo, yeah. <laughs> our baby. Yeah. Um, but that's where I recharge, is being yeah. on my own. Um, so when you spend so many hours of the day coaching in front of people, it really does take a lot out of you. So then to go out and do more networking and to put yourself out there even more, I found that was a big challenge. Yeah. And but then that's where you grow. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just 100%. Yeah. Going back to Holistic Sister, who is Holistic Sister and what is Holistic Sister? Holistic Sister is a holistic health facility for all the sisters. <laughs> yeah. The sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah. It is a sisterhood. And, you know, I like to think that we offer something that is more than just the, the physical side of things, that, you know, we are supporting people's physical, mental and emotional mm. health by being here. So it is more of a holistic sort of, I guess, fitness yeah. experience for people, you know, and community. Suppose, you know, it's a really big part of that, that sisterhood and I think that's something that a lot of our members do feel, you know, the ones that we see on a regular basis, you know, it is a, you know, a sense of community for yeah. them. So be, it, it being an all-women's gym, obviously there's all these things about women and fitness, either like going to the gym to be aesthetic, for aesthetics or just so that they could function for the present and also for the future. All the, all the reasons why they step into your gym. What's the most common trend that you've observed and kind of like picked apart? The, the most common thing that you've seen in... Reason for people? Yeah, reason for people to come. Walk in the door. So yeah. 
you know, it's, it's it, I could, I know exactly what it is, but it surprised me. It took me a little while to really appreciate the significance of it, I suppose. But mental health is actually yep. the biggest reason why people have come. And I feel really blessed that we're a place that people have felt safe enough to come to, to support their own mental health. If I was to go back and, you know, pull out all of our, like the health screens that, you know, people will do when they come in, I reckon 80 to 90% of mm -hmm. those women have ticked that they are suffering from or have suffered from some sort of, you know, mental health condition or, you know, whether it be insomnia, anxiety, depression, yeah. things like that. And, you know, a lot of these women have been advised by other health professionals to start exercising. Mm. And one, it gives me so much more faith in the medical system that doctors are essentially prescribing mm. exercise. And we know that, the, you know, the science, you know, very clearly states that exercise is one of the most important things for people's mental well-being and improving mental health, especially in today's society where we are a very sedentary society. And stimulated at the same time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's fabulous that you know doctors are recognising that and one of their first calls for action really is you know to encourage people to, to start exercising before they start prescribing medication mm. that may not be necessary, you know, if it is, you know, you know, a mild case of, of you know, anxiety, depression, just get yourself moving. And the, yeah. the research will tell you that that is the best thing for you to mm. do to often reverse that. Yeah, and I think also for the women here, they would most likely agree to that if they, if you ask them to look back um, you know, from day one, how they felt day one to now. Because I have seen, even in just my clients who don't do one, who don't, who, do, who don't do group training, I've actually seen them kind of like flourish and be more comfortable, not only in their own skin, but also in the fact that there's other people around. I also feel a little bit honoured mm. that they've, I feel honoured that they've chosen me, yeah. this space, because that's such a vulnerable Thing to open up to absolutely um, yeah it is yeah. and you're right it is pretty special when you get to be I guess part of that journey that process for mm. someone to to healing and I guess that you know looking back when we we're talking about before about my why and you know how I got here I think that actually is probably a huge part of that as well that exercise and I wouldn't have been able to articulate it, you know, back then as a teenager or in my early 20s. I wouldn't have been able to recognise it then. But exercise did significantly help my mental well-being. Mm. And I probably couldn't have told you that I was anxious or I, you know, had mild depression, things like that. But that was definitely something that was in the background, you know. It, it came and went, but I know that when I was, you know, healthy and living a healthy lifestyle that wasn't really around you know and I, I was mentally well and yeah. you know engaged and I had a clearer head and, and things like that mm. so I think subconsciously that was probably really big part of that too yeah just something that I've observed since I started doing PT and group classes I've asked them what's your goal and they say I just want to turn up I want to look good you know, very aesthetic focused goal 
holistic sister is around you know how can I perform as a well-functioning human being how do you encourage women to shift their perspective without you know, forcing them to be like, mm. no <laughs> but you're gonna be a boss lifter yeah. I'm going this path whether yeah. you like it or not <laughs> yeah how do you shift their mindset over time so I guess the biggest one is like if you, if you look at most you know good coaches will know that if you if you move well and your body is functioning really well and you know you're going to get more out of your workouts mm. so you're going to be less prone to injury um, you've got more muscle engagement um, and you know and different groups of muscles all working together therefore you are going to get your way more bang for your buck out of your exercises yeah. and the aesthetic things will start to actually happen as a result of that mm. if you ignore the performance side of things and you know the quality of your training fueling appropriately refueling appropriately getting enough sleep all of those other things that improves your physical and mental performance you're not actually going to get the aesthetic goals that you want you know it's not just about smashing yourself for 45 minutes as hard as you can you know four to six days a week, that's not going to get you the results that you want and it's also not going to be sustainable for most people anyway. Most people will get better aesthetic goals if they focus on the performance side of things first. You know, learn the basics really well. Get enough sleep, you know, get some nutritional support if if you're not eating well or if you're not sure, ask. So focusing and I, that's usually how I sort of try and word it with a lot of people. It's like let's get you, you know, let's focus on yeah, the basics yeah. and get that right first. It's not just about coming in here and, mm-hmm. you know, and sweating for an hour and then off you go. Yeah. Suddenly you've got a bikini body in six weeks. It's you know it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna happen. It's it does take Sorry, a, it just a doesn't. Full, no, it just what it takes a holistic approach. You yeah. know? So it is you know it is diets, lifestyle, yeah. all of those things. But the other benefit on top of that is you're also going to live longer mm. you know and I I really want to live for a long time but I want to live well you know I want to be able to you know I often think about this on a regular basis <laughs> when you put shoes on and as you know I don't wear shoes very often but if I do I don't sit down to put my shoes on unless when I was pregnant I did um, but if you stand up on your feet and then you stand on one leg to do your shoes. Imagine doing that when you're like 90. Yeah, that's functional. It's functional. Yeah. It's totally functional. It's actually a functional act that we should be able to do for a really long period of time. Yeah. But it's also a good measure of your strength and your stability, uh, proprioception and mm. all of those different things. So it, it's, a, it's a good thing that you can do every single day to kind of just test yourself yeah. as well. You know, if you're particularly tired that day, that will show when you try to stand up on one leg and put your shoe on. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to be able to do that for a really long time. And I, well, I like to encourage you know clients and members to to think about the future. Yeah. And how much more I don't know, rewarding life will be if you functioning really well for mm. a long period of time. You know, reduce those risks of you know metabolic disease and Alzheimer's and. Yeah. I really believe that whatever diseases that come up in our lives, they're actually 
aside from genetics, most of them are consequences of our choices and of our actions. You know, like if you don't eat, if you don't eat veggies and all those kind of things, you just go for takeaway and all that kind of stuff. You're more, probably more likely to get like a heart disease or you know mm. obesity and all that kind of stuff. And you got a for me that happened to you because of your mostly because of your choices. I could be totally wrong in you know, but even for my parents, I'm not trying to double my parents here, but comparing my, like, I've told them many times, so, you go for a walk, like, stop eating pork belly, because in my, in our culture, pork belly is, like, the go. Like, stop eating the fatty part. And now, and my mom, they just, they don't move well. Walking for hours they find it quite difficult. Yeah, and it's harder to get motivated when you're a little bit older as well. When, yeah. You know, you are a bit more tired and you are a bit more stiff mm. and you have spent so many years eating and living a yeah. certain way. It's really challenging to break those habits. And it's a, it's, I think, you know, parents are, you know, it's definitely one that we sort of, you know, look at and just go, oh, change this yeah change that especially if you're a PT <laughs> yeah definitely um, but but it is it is challenging to, to yeah. break those habits and you know trying to I guess you know make small changes is usually um, better for most people but I do agree with you that I think most most diseases a lot of diseases are avoidable and you know we are seeing way too many cases of young people you know, acquiring you know, diseases that are essentially for old people once yeah. upon a time like you know certain types of cancers you know heart disease mm. cognitive decline a lot of these things you know once upon a time were, were for the with the elderly and we're seeing a lot a lot younger people yeah. now which is which is really sad and that and they can actually then you know predispose their children to to the same you know conditions Absolutely. as well so we're seeing a lot of people with diabetes or you know obesity and metabolic conditions that are essentially passing that on to their children and you know there's so many kids that are under the age of five who are now overweight and you yeah. know and on their way to also getting diabetes which is really sad absolutely now that we've jumped into food let's talk about food and women's perception of food because you know, big subject. <laughs> it is a massive subject, and there's quite a lot of misconceptions because of you know a lot of things, social media, and like just very conflicting suggestions from different people. Where do you think the most common misconception is? Well, I don't know if there's misconceptions. Probably maybe it's not the right word because I feel like a lot of things that are advertised or put out there as great things to do and live and things like that, they aren't all wrong. Yeah. But they're not right for everyone. Mm. And I guess one of the biggest traps people, I guess most people fall into is, oh, I'm going to try this diet because that worked for so-and-so yeah. or I'm going to follow this way of eating or because that, you know, I see that a lot on social media, whatever it might be. Depending on 
people's goals. Let's use weight loss for an example because that is you know, a very common goal for a lot of people, especially women. Um, and essentially they're really looking for is fat loss, not just weight loss, but fat loss because, as you said, a lot of people yeah. don't want to be toned. I want to you know, look a certain way. So they're essentially asking for fat loss. Most diets can work. Mm. Whether it be low fat, whether it be keto, whether it be calorie restriction, vegan diets, you know, meat diets, like all of these things can work and they can help people to lose fat. So it's confusing because people are getting really good results from all different types of diets, but it doesn't make any one of them better or worse. Yeah. They're just not for everyone. Mm-mm. You know, I know That's people that function and thrive on a really high quality vegan diet. Yeah. But I know lots of people that also follow a vegan diet and are not thriving at mm. all and are prone to getting, you know, uh, colds on a regular basis. So they're often sick and they look a bit grey in the skin and things mm. like that. Whereas other people who can do it really well or their, their body and their constitution appreciates it a lot better and they, they thrive. Yeah. You know, and the same with, you know, like a, a low carbohydrate diet, you know, men and women also respond to, to different diets very differently as well. You know, yeah. we're not the same and we do require different things. So, you know, men following a, a keto diet often doesn't translate perfectly to a woman either. So it is a bit confusing, you know, for a lot of people who haven't yeah. done a nutritional degree that, you know, where do I even start? But what I often say to a lot of people is it's really like the most unsexy diet is mm. actually the, the best diet. Yeah. And it's not groundbreaking news to anyone to mm. hear that you should eat lots of veg- vegetables. <laughs> you know, get to eat really high quality, yeah. you know, protein on a regular basis. Get some really good quality fats into your diet and, you know, and some good quality, you know, whole grain carbohydrates. Mm. Drink lots of water. Cut out excessive amounts of sugar and alcohol and refined foods. Like, that is so basic and most people know that. But it's not that sexy. It doesn't have a full label on it, does it? Like a whole foods diet, no. you know, or, you know, that kind of... Yes, it's not sexy as a lot of other diets are, you know, claim to be. So, but we all know that. Mm. And most people aren't following just those basic yeah. points. And that's usually the basis people need to, need to follow. You can supplement a lot of things as well that also probably aren't necessary. A lot of people suffer, spend so much money on, you know, supplementing for... A, thousand different things it's like if you put that money into buying organic fruit and veggies Mm. or organic you know grass-fed finished you know um, animal proteins wild-caught fish you won't need (laughs) to put it into those um, into those supplements if you're willing to invest the same amount of money in just the actual food that you're that you're buying and and consuming and then how you eat as well you know a lot of people aren't focused on how they actually eat. You know, are they eating while they're stressed? Are they eating um, at the desk, you know, instead of actually having a proper lunch break? Are they eating in the car? Are they eating in front of the TV? Are they eating while they're yelling at the kids? You know, um, people aren't focusing on actually how they're eating enough mm-hmm. and, and really understanding how that actually benefits them too. And often that's part of the problem for people who maybe are overweight or not getting the results that they want. 
because they're not allowing their bodies to actually sit and digest their foods mm -hmm. and absorb and utilize the nutrients that they're, they're eating. Yeah. Know, if they're eating in a, in a stressful state, even though they don't realize that they're stressed, but if they're eating while they're you know, yelling at the kids, mm -hmm. the whole digestive system isn't working the way, the way it should be you know, as a result of their hormones physically doing something different than they should be. Two things that I took from, you know, the, everything that you said was the nutrition part, learning from the basics and knowing how to perfect the basics, so like the veggies and high protein, high quality protein and all that stuff. That also ties in with coming into the gym and focusing on the basic, you know, how to move well, mm. how to how to perf actually perform so that you can get to a healthier lifestyle, a healthier way of movement, your aesthetic goals. I think in, in our, I'd love to think about it as a triangle, like mm. a hierarchy, similar to like Maslow's hierarchy yeah. of needs. Um, yeah, the basic of the basics is just down the bottom and if you perfect that, you just keep leveling up. Absolutely. And some days that you might have to refer back again to the basic yeah. to level up onto another thing. Maybe you've gotten a new goal and, and the new goal is here at the very top. Absolutely. When you can perfect yeah. those things, you get so much more out of everything and you are more likely to achieve the goal that you yeah. want. If you're setting the bar too high at the beginning or you're doing a juice cleanse, when your normal diet consists of takeaway and alcohol, that juice cleanse is going to do F no. all for yeah. your health. <laughs> Nothing. So what's the, you just wasted, you know, $250 on, you know, these beautiful juices yeah. when, you know, you just, just don't have a good enough base of health already. To mm. swap a couple of those takeaway meals for, you know, some home-cooked meals or, you know, or start with, you know, a meal plans where you know, people actually get the meals sent to you but they're you know, healthy meals and they're balanced yeah. meals so you, that's even a, a simple way to, to start eating healthy for a lot of people but I think you're exactly right like it go back to the basics yeah. and you are so much more likely to get results and they become more sustainable Definitely. you know for a lot of people a lot of these a lot of diets that people adopt they're often quite restrictive mm. you know and and that's why they're not sustainable for a lot of people. People can adopt them for a period of time and then they indulge in something and then that leads to something else yeah. and then suddenly their diet falls away. Yeah, yeah. It's completely. And you undo all the work that you've just done when you're yeah. on the diet. So if you can, yeah, get the basics right, nail that. And mm -hmm. it means that you can often have other things that yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be completely restrictive either. Mm. That's something that I've learned during this like whole process of obviously um, competing in weightlifting. I have to be in a certain weight, and to be in a certain weight, you have to you will go through like restricted calories or no calories and that kind of stuff. Whether it's a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus, I always have a basic meal. I always have three meals a day mm. and whether that's me eating 1500 calories a day or 2300 those three meals are done and then I then work around 
between meals? Like, what do mm. I eat then between meals? How can yeah. I, how can I stay in 1500 calorie to keep my weight at the weight that I need to be competing in, or how do I go up? Totally. Um, you've got a you've got a base plan. You've yeah. got a routine, and it's essentially the same day in day out. Mm. But all you need to do is add or subtract yeah. you know, from what you're already having, which makes a lot of sense and it makes it easy to follow. So it's exactly. something not, it's not confusing for you mm. to do so. And I think the same with you know just nutrition for the general population. It's like it's okay to you know keep it quite simple yeah. and have three meals a day, but make sure you're getting you know x amount of vegetables throughout mm. the day and to getting lots of fibrous foods and you're getting a bit of protein with each of these yeah. and then you know the days that you're training more you might have a little bit more food or you might hydrate a little bit more as well mm. and if you're unsure ask <laughs> yeah. but ask a professional yeah. you know don't, don't, uh, don't ask an, an instagram influencer mm. what they're doing and look there are there's some really good information on social media there really is and i can't fault it completely because there are you know professionals on there sharing really incredible information but it does take the it's the responsibility of us and the, the viewers or the the person looking at these to investigate what are their qualifications you know what are they are they accredited to to, to provide this yeah. information and, and if they're not, you know, move on and find someone who is. Mm. And, 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 and also, going back to what I said before, get someone to help you work out what you need as an individual. Because what you need is vastly different, often vastly different, mm. to, to someone else, someone else's um, cultural you know, background, you know, actually influences, you know, what they need and don't need. Yeah. Um, their hormone profile, you know, their um, environmental exposures, all these different things will play a role in what someone needs and, and doesn't need. Mm. Allergies and intolerances, all different types of things. So, yeah, ask for help. It's yeah. one thing that I feel fortunate about being in this industry is we are surrounded by lots of different health professionals and different modalities and I am the first person to put my hand up and get support when I don't have the answer or that's not my expertise and like mm. and I often find it just an educational tool it's like what would this person say yeah you know what's their point of view on you know this yeah just continuously learning yeah, yeah. absolutely it's, yeah I think it's really valuable to to seek out um professional support and like the other thing too like it's not a, it's not a cheap exercise to to do that either no. so it you know to throw that caveat in there that it's not that accessible for everyone to you know to see a nutritionist and to mm. maybe see a psychologist and to maybe see a physio and all these different different modalities but start somewhere yeah and yeah pick the area that you need the most support with and, and get the help that you need oh absolutely the second one i wanted to raise was when you said people aren't conscious or maybe quite as mindful you know when they eat mm. and uh, that sticks in my head quite a lot and when I actually have my meals here or at home I before I sit down and open up my food I think about how am I going to eat this one because you when so I good. there was this one time when I texted you <laughs> I don't know I'm just like I feel like a bloated puffer fish yeah and you asked me like what I, what I've been eating how do I eat am I always am I eating on the go like 
am I eating while I'm watching TV? Now that I have a nutritionist who actually looks after my, me as a weightlifter, mm. she's also raised that up with me because I told her that for some reason every night I just feel, I feel like I'm hungry. Mm. But when I'm eating, like, and not entirely hungry, I'm still full. Like, I, I feel the sensation of being full. And she was like, how, where do you eat? Like, do you eat on your couch that's facing the TV? Do you eat on, do you have a kitchen table? Do, do you have a dining table? All these kind of things. And from your advice to her advice as well, that's tied in. I was just like, all right, maybe I have to really make a change now. Yeah. And since that, since that bloating experience, I've not been super bloated anymore. It's so um, fascinating. And it I is. Think it's, um, I think it's a pitfall that so many of us, me included, have fallen victim of. And it's legit the simplest thing to it fix. Is. It's yeah. free, is to mindfully yeah. eat. And as we were sort of talking about with the performance over aesthetics in the gym, sort of getting the basics right to get the most out of your workouts, if you eat mindfully, you are getting so much more out of your meal yeah. than you would if you weren't eating mindfully. So taking the time to remove distractions, whether it be TV or your phone or, you know, work, things like that, remove those distractions, sit down and look and, you know, engage with your meals, kind of lame as that, that, that sounds, but yeah, enjoy it, taste it, feel the textures, chew your fucking food. So <laughs> their recommendation is to chew 30 chews per mouthful. Mm. No one is doing that. <laughs> it's like two chews, swallow, quick, yeah. how quickly can I get this meal yeah. down? taking the time and when you actually take the time to do all of that it is it does take does literally take more time so you know a meal might take you know 20 30 minutes or as past you're trying to shove something down in, in 10 minutes but one you're going to enjoy it so much more you're going to appreciate it you're going to feel the sensation of feeling more full and satiated from that meal and are then less likely to search out more food once the meal is done because you actually feel satiated and you're also putting your body in a, a parasympathetic nervous system state. So you're in a calmer state. When you're in a calmer state in that parasympathetic nervous state, your, your digestive system is primed and ready to pull apart those foods and absorb and utilize those nutrients. If you aren't in that more uh, sympathetic state, you know, while you're eating and you know, sending emails, for example, your body isn't in a state to break down and utilize those nutrients. So you're not actually getting much out of your meal. You're also then likely to finish the meal, finish what you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm really hungry because you weren't concentrating on what you're doing. And so you're gonna then potentially, you're more likely to overeat because you're gonna go find another snack yeah. afterwards. So for a lot of people who have weight loss goals, one of the first things I'd like to discuss with them is is how they're eating and practicing mindful eating and it can be an absolute game changer for a lot of people and it's free you don't have to buy anything you don't have to do any you don't need anyone, you don't need anyone. <laughs> yeah. just eat properly chew your food and and i find you know even for myself i know when i'm particularly more stressed 
as well because I don't mindfully eat and I will do those things like everyone else. You know, I'll be on my phone, you know, while I'm shoving down a meal or whatever it might be and not concentrating on what I'm doing. And I also am more likely to then go get another snack at the end of the meal because I don't feel satiated because I wasn't conscious of yeah. what I was just eating at all. Yeah. It is, it is a massive game changer because even like mentally, mm. I'm able to just sit down by myself and just mm. enjoy, completely check out from yeah. what I was doing that's overly stimulating me. And when I do sit down and have my meal, you're exactly right, like that parasympathetic system just... Yeah, it takes over. Takes over. Yeah, it it's feel quite good. cathartic to mm. do so and... It, it makes it an enjoyable experience as opposed to it being more of a, a chore yeah. as well for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's like with anything, if you move more mindfully, you know, you're going to get more out of your workout. Yeah. If you turn off other distractions while you're physically doing your work, you're more likely to get into that more of a flow state and, and, and be more productive as mm -hmm. well. So it, it is essentially the same sort of practice as all mindfulness practices. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's exactly the same, but <laughs> you're getting a whole lot of other health benefits yeah. as, as well. Mm. That's actually, I'm glad that you shared all of that because I feel like a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah. I see a lot of my friends and even sometimes for me too, when, when I'm stressed or anything like that, I would rather just be distracted. Well, yeah, because obviously they're two pleasurable things, and that's going to make me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no. and 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 eating when you're you're less likely to start eating when you're stressed as well. Yeah. Or if you are eating because you're stressed, try to catch yourself in the moment and take five big deep belly breaths before you put that thing in your mouth. Yeah. And sometimes that can just make you. Be more aware of if you are actually hungry or not. Turn the focus away from the stressful feeling and going, actually, I am hungry, but let's now just focus on the food as yeah. opposed to the stressful thing. So that, like for a lot of people, can just help them understand why they eat as mm -hmm. well. Doing things with intention. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're going to move down to what's currently happening now obviously pandemic mm -hmm. and lockdowns and you as a businesswoman going through this whole experience everyone's experiencing as well plus some good mum life how has Georgie been during lockdowns and during this pandemic for the past two years on a personal level I've been doing pretty well yeah. I I guess sort of the going through uh, going back to the very first lockdown where it was all a bit more scary and uncertain mm. we didn't know what was going on and things like that like I went into you know I, I lived off adrenaline for you know that three months or whatever it was that yeah. we're in you know lockdown and stuff like that but it was good like I actually had a really good time you know I learned new skills and you know put all our business online and mm. things like that and that was that was actually really positive experience of going back on what we were saying really earlier in the in our chat about appreciating experiences later on and I didn't really have a moment during it to to appreciate it at the time but it was a really challenging experience but it was really rewarding at the other end to to go through and and it was a it was really good for me on a personal growth level yeah. as well of having to just do the work because you do not know 
how this is going to end. Mm. So you have to, you've got to step up or, you know, the, the doors will, will shut forever. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I did that. And so I'm really proud of that. On a personal level, going back to that, I loved a little bit more downtime mm. and I loved a bit more time at home sleeping yeah. <laughs> and not always having to get up so early. I still got up very early actually most mornings, but having my, the mornings to myself was actually really lovely. Yeah. I love the mornings. Um, I love getting out while it's still dark. I'd often, you know, still get up at 5.30 and walk the dog and, you know, and I get to go home, sit down, have a coffee, sit down and eat my breakfast. Yeah, make yourself breakfast. Yeah, it was like heaven. It was mm. just beautiful to, to do that instead of bringing my breakfast to work and, you know, and, and eating often not mindfully, you know, in between clients mm. and, and classes. So that was actually quite a good experience. I had a bit more time to focus on my own training in that in 2020 as well. Yeah. And then I guess we did it all again 2021 too. But the biggest thing I think that helped me stay well through all of this was practicing what I preach. And that's, you remember, like you, you'd, you'd be able to reflect on in the early days of the pandemic that a lot of health professionals or even the media on TV and things like that, they were when mental health really started to struggle for a lot of people, there was a lot of advice and a lot of tips people were putting out there of, you know, what you can do at home to keep yourself mentally well. Yeah. So things like making sure that you're, you're hydrated, trying to stick to a routine so you're still getting up and keeping your sleep-wake times the same. If you don't have work, you know, can you, do you have a hobby that you can do and keeping yourself engaged in something getting outside in nature and getting some fresh air exercising regularly eating well you know limiting alcohol all of these things were just these basic tips that were flooding the media and I was one of those health professionals that you know did post about those things you know semi-regularly that these are just simple things that you can do every day to keep yourself well but I physically did them myself you know I did you know keep my sleep wake times you know very consistent I did eat well a limited takeaway you know I didn't drink a lot um, obviously 2021 I didn't really drink anything but I did practice what I preach and as a result I felt quite good you know through all of that and was also able to really recognize when things were mentally a little bit harder and I knew how to then help that as well I wasn't in such a state that I didn't know where to go or who to turn to or um, or what support that I needed. So I think I had a lot more clarity of that. And being self-aware as well, I also knew how to yeah. Yeah, find the right help at the right times as well before it got too challenging. Mm. Again, going back to that, the bottom part of your training. Oh, yeah, totally basic, get the basics right. The basics yeah, right. it's yeah. not... It's not rocket science, and no. and most people know that they mm. they know that they're going to feel average if they're having three cocktails every night just because they can. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, I like, you know, a few cocktails myself, but um, but I knew that wasn't going to be an every night thing, mm. you know. Yeah. I didn't get on the sourdough bandwagon because if I've got a fresh loaf of sourdough <laughs> in there, I'm going to eat that yeah. entire loaf within one or two days easily. Yeah. There is nothing more delicious than fresh sourdough. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother with that one. But yeah, 
yeah again going back to the basics mm. Mm. how funny is that like we've said yeah. it three times now go yeah. go back to the basics totally yeah um, how have you been as a businesswoman and how has holistic system been during the pandemic like most uh, fitness businesses it's been really hard um, I think along with the the beauty industry we have been closed for longer than any other industry in Australia. Um, I think I added up that through all of the lockdowns, we had literally been closed for just shy of 12 full months. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a long time to, a to, be, to be closed. Look, yeah, it, it was hard, mm-hmm. definitely. And it still is hard. Like we're still not out of the woods now with this um, Omicron virus, but you know, and people half of Melbourne is in is in isolation <laughs> every every single yeah. week. You know, there's a new cohort of people that are in isolation, so that's obviously not great for numbers walking in the door at the moment. But we also don't have any government support either. Mm-hmm. In saying that, I am so grateful for the government support that we did get. Yeah. Without that, we 100% would have had to have closed our doors. Mm-hmm. You know, they that did help us pay the rent and 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 you know that's you know we're here today because of that. So for all the government haters out there, they kept half of Melbourne, yeah. you know, alive through this and you know not only physically alive but like businesses doors are still open yeah. as a result of that and and we probably did save a few lives along along the way as, mm. as well. I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of people have been so sucked into the negative mm. narrative yep. about the government when really when I didn't when I was unemployed, the only thing that kept me going and kept my kept me in my small apartment, mm. kept me with a roof over my head was the government yeah like i was able to still pay my rent and i didn't there was totally. one more thing yeah. i didn't have to worry about yeah and then on instagram you can just see all of these people just mm. thrashing at the government you don't know how lucky not lucky oh, we're so lucky to live in the country yeah you're so lucky in. to live in a country because i come from the philippines which yeah. is a third world country and i have heard, have seen, because I still have my family there, how hard it's been for them. Yeah. They only get a sack of rice, like one yeah. kilo of rice per family. That's the free thing that the government mm. was giving them. Whereas in Australia, you were getting $750. Yeah. A week. A week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're literally paying you to stay at, at home. home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... The other thing, like I keep trying to, like you know, said to a few people, the government does not benefit mm. from keeping everyone at home and keeping businesses closed. Yeah. They don't want to do that unless they have to, mm. and they 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 weren't trying to punish us. Yeah. They weren't trying to benefit from that situation at all. Mm. That's the last thing that you know the state or federal government want want to do, and I think it's really ignorant 
of people to think that that they were trying to punish us in some way, which I think is ridiculous. And cynical. And cynical, yeah. And, like, entitled. Like, come on, you're not, like, don't be such an entitled prick. Like, we do, we're so lucky to live in a country that Mm. we're willing to support us. So many countries, as you're saying, like in the Philippines, so many other countries, even in developed countries, they weren't getting near as much support as what we were getting here. I spoke to actually another business person about this um, a little while ago, and she said, she goes, I've never been so grateful to pay my taxes. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never (laughs) thought of that. But so true, you know, in a country that, you know, we do pay high taxes, but as a result, it came straight back into our pockets, Mm. you know, for us. And so, yeah. Don't want to get too much into politics. No, but. <laughs> it's, this is not a politics podcast, but it's good to just share it out yeah. and to kind of put a perspective. Yeah. And also for people to go, to normalise their mindset, because I feel like Absolutely. the pandemic has literally put people in circles and then mm. into a different circle and, do, you know, just balancing out like yeah. the beliefs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Holistic Sister has been, I, I feel like the girls here have been tighter than ever even after the five or six lockdowns. Mm, that's so true. Um, why do you think that is? Such a good point, and I actually haven't had anyone say that, but now that you've said it, it, it really is true. I think a lot of it has to do with through those through that lockdown period, especially our regular members, mm-hmm. they stayed very heavily engaged into all of our online training. And... You know, so they saw each other's faces, yeah. you know, every day. <laughs> when we're on Zoom sessions, <laughs> you're literally seeing everyone's lounge room, yeah. you know, most days of the week. You're seeing people's pets or their babies yeah. and, and things like that. So you kind of always got, like, this new insight into people's lives and we we built almost a different relationship with each other. We yeah. built this online relationship with each other, which is a different relationship to the one that we built initially in the studio so I think that ironically did actually bring a lot of us closer together Mm. so yeah interesting that I yeah I I do agree with you there and I think you know most of those women they've all come back and they 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 were consistent with their training through lockdown and they, Mm. they all come back and now they're absolutely smashing it again and actually already you know killing their goals yeah. or, you know, um, making PBs, you know, on a regular mm-hmm. basis, you know, and it's not really that long out of lockdown. No. So it does go to show, I think, the, the de- dedication and the commitment to their training in lockdown with very limited equipment um, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I think also the culture that you've started yeah. and kept in the studio and, you know, um, around the memories as well, because I think... Because they feel like they've been cared for, they want to stay here. Mm. Um, and during that, you know, us looking after them as their coaches, they also see the benefits, not just the physical aspect of it, but also, you know, the emotional and the mental side yeah. of it. Like, when you feel like someone's cared for you, or caring for you, obviously you'd want to stick with them. Or Absolutely. So there's that, that sense of yeah, community. community. So they... Um, and that's something I think in just in society a lot of a lot of people lack in some way and that's why like things like team sport is mm. is really valuable because it is a community for that yeah. people can can turn to and the same for people's gyms or yeah. their health club in whatever it might be or it just might be 
where they get coffee every day, you know, through the lockdowns. A lot of coffee shops were yeah. people's community, whereas we were that, that community for, for some people yeah. when we were all quite vulnerable and, mm. and needed, needed other people, you know, whether we realised it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we're going to move to your mum life. Huh. Tell us about your <clears throat> life as a mum. Like, how was your transition from pregnancy to, like, now being a mum? Like, how, what did that nine months look like? Um, look, I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy. Felt pretty average in the first trimester. Came into the second trimester and felt like Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> and felt really good the whole way through, you know, up until sort of birth as well, which was really good. And then going into... You know, once Lenny arrived, becoming a mum, I feel like I feel like holistic sister trained me to be a mum. You totally is. It's like I feel like I've just gone from one baby with you know big giant four walls to just a really <laughs> tiny baby. But yeah. the love and the dedication is is actually you know somewhat similar so it is kind of funny how I do feel like it did kind of train me to um into into motherhood mm. in in so many aspects but on top of that working with women every day and we have lots of women here who are mothers mm. and you know would often bring their babies in and and things like that I I gained so much from the women in here that truly did help me through my pregnancy giving me uh, realistic sort of you know stories and expectations of of birth and and motherhood and so many tips and advice and a lot of people get overwhelmed and they don't love that but I really embraced it and I knew that people's advice that they were sharing wasn't always going to fit with me but I loved hearing every single piece of it and and I still do because that is their experience and sometimes it will work for me and, it, and, and I will take that on and sometimes I don't need to. But I think sharing that is really important for women yeah. and, and I'm really grateful for, for all the women who did share anything, you know, because a lot of it I have adopted or yeah. I, I had more realistic expectations of, you know, of what was to come and as a result I've had a pretty breezy experience mm. really and I think a lot of that's because you know yeah. I was somewhat prepared as well. That's actually that, that's great because I have spoken to a few mums not just here at the gym but also like back in Mildura where I'm from they feel like they're alone in their experience mm. and so they're taking it day by day and obviously that causes stress because you just there's this certain uncertainty plus carrying a baby mm. and so their experience as a mum or like during the pregnancy isn't really you know, breezy yeah like, or what that is they expected yeah. it to be a really dreamy heavenly mm. you know time of their lives and I think that goes back to reiterating the importance of having a sisterhood yeah and historically you know women congregated in tribes and in groups and that's and they were forever being supported by lots of women not just you know family you know parents siblings aunties cousins you know other women like they 
the the support was fast yeah. and and that's how they they thrived you know as well and I as I said I really believe that the women here have played a huge role in in me having a really positive pregnancy birthing and early motherhood experience because I don't feel alone like I, I 100% do not feel alone through any of this and I know that there is one I know that there's help out there if I do need support um, I've got fantastic family um, who I can lean on as well um, if I'm unsure of something there are so many women that I know I can reach out to and ask is this normal? You know, did you go through this? What did you do when you came up in this situation? Just knowing that those women are out there is enough comfort for me, you know, going forward as well. And I think, you know, people do underestimate the, the value in having a sisterhood or having a tribe or having a village that is going to, to support you and, and your baby because it's not a solo journey and it's not designed to be a solo journey at all. Awesome. Moving on to more about pregnancy, right? There's always this, like, there's a lot of changes happening. Physical changes are the most obvious ones. Mm. How did you tackle the change in your body? Um, we spoke about this quite before we started recording, and I think that was actually very profound because for women as yeah. females like we obviously value what our appearance is and I think pregnancy I think that would really magnify body image concerns yeah, yeah. all those sort of you know natural insecurities that yeah. we a lot of us women face and I think there's a lot of people will sort of poo poo the idea of being aesthetically driven I don't think I think if that's you know all you focus on there's you know that's probably not a positive way to be living either but taking pride in the way you look and feel I think is is really important for our, our well-being mm-hmm. going into pregnancy I did wonder how I would sort of feel about my body changing I wondered if I would have the energy to exercise the way that I was hoping I would if I just assumed that I'd probably put on lots of weight and have really puffy ankles and all of that and I'm yeah. really grateful that I that I that I didn't but I did look after myself a lot through through my pregnancy and a lot of people will go oh, I'm pregnant I'm gonna and I'm now not drinking so I'm gonna eat cake every day and replace you know something that's been taken away with something else and I and I didn't do that I was very relaxed in in a lot of my health practices and I did sort of follow what I innately wanted mm. and how I was feeling and really listened to that. So uh, part of me was grateful for lockdown in some respects because it allowed me to rest more when I felt like I was more tired and I did need more rest. I exercised pretty much every single day through my pregnancy up until the day I gave birth. Yeah. I ate really balanced meals, I stayed really hydrated mm-hmm. and I got support when I needed to for various things, even like seeing a pelvic floor physio yeah. and things like that. And as a result, I was quite proud of my body, you know, in, in a lot of respects. I was mm-hmm. proud that it could, it could do all these things. I was proud that I was, could keep moving and I had the, the means to do so and I didn't. I would, not everyone has that experience, mind you, because there might be other things going on, like 
pelvic instability or pelvic yeah. pain, things like that. And I had very limited amounts of that, but I also knew how to work around it as well. So I had the knowledge and the know-how to work with what my body was doing right then and there. And I think that's another thing that some women might fall short of is if they're experiencing some sort of pain, then they automatically think, oh, well, I can't exercise. I have to stop exercising now for the rest Rest. of my process. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which is is just not true for most cases. Like, obviously, it's a case-by-case, you know, situation. But for most women, there is always something that you can do, some form of exercise. And, again, if you don't know, ask. Mm. You know, find the right person to support you uh, with what your body needs and and then tailor something to to yourself but I also love the idea as well and I found it quite encouraging to always reflect on or remind myself that my body is not going to be the same as it was pre-pregnancy and accepting and acknowledging that it's never going to be that pre-pregnancy body but it's evolving Mm. into something better and more profound like I feel like you know when you can think about what the body is physically physically growing a baby and then it births a live human being yeah like yeah that's phenomenal when you really it really is just an incredible thing and it's what everyone does but it really is amazing and I love the idea of thinking that I'm a more evolved woman Mm. you know and I've you know might and some people will look at that as well and you know and you look at women often who have had babies in awe that they have created a human and even her was in awe and Lenny was just there sitting yeah it's amazing and (laughs) I think if you for the mother to think about that they can appreciate and love their bodies so much more when you think about it from that perspective rather than always you know comparing their themselves to their prior self it's like you're not that person anymore you are a more evolved version of yourself um, than you were, yeah. and and that's a that's a beautiful thing. But and you're also potentially more likely to nourish yourself in the right ways if you have accepted, you know, yeah, and and, and love the person that you are. Mm. Going back to um, the advice of like resting when you're in pain. This is for me. It's a different. It's a completely different story. But the same principle and the same outcome. When I got injured, we've so weeks ago, um, before the New Year's Day, I could not like bend over. So mm. Putting undies on was very hard for me, mm. and I hated the fact that like my fork is back, back again on the floor and I have to pick it yeah. up. The one thing that Katie, my coach and CEO, told me was, I want you to still in, do some sort of like small movements, like so, not only because not only because it's good for your body, but also gives you confidence moving again. When you're just resting out there, all of these things, all, all of the like you being helpless, that that cask, that snowballs into absolutely bigger helplessness. I yeah, that absolutely. Sense. And your muscles will, which is, sounds really bizarre, but that mind-body connection is so powerful is. that your muscles become lazy. They also become really protective mm. and they lose their own confidence. Yeah. So they almost go, oh, if you've been resting, I'm just going to put my feet up for the next six weeks because I had this pain. The rest of your body 
is following suit of what your brain is doing. Yeah. So your body's then going, oh no, I, I, I can't move. Yeah. I can't, so I can't take you up those stairs. Yeah. I can't live that way. I can't do those things. So your, your body responds in the exact same way as your, mm. your, your mindset around that. And I think it's really valuable when physical therapists of all nature will prescribe some movement of some mm. some degree whether it's just if you're sitting in a chair because you are actually kind of you know got some you need bed rest rolling your ankles yeah. doing some shoulder rolls you know while you're in there like really yeah. little movements is so is so beneficial to help you recover from that in uh, that in- injury and reminding your body that it is okay yeah. and you can you know get back to where you were mm. i see so many people recovering from injury that really struggle to push past their past injuries yeah. because they've spent so long immobilizing mm. that area that they're you know for like shoulder injury example so many people keep their shoulders so still and they yeah. don't move them and guard it, and guard it yeah. that it takes such a long time to untrain that yep. and that injury might have been 10 years old but they've been their body's kind of yeah been guarding it for, yeah. for all that time mm. you know in 10 years of doing that it's a, it's a, a that, that's a long time and it's to undo, to undo. Yeah. yeah um the second one same outcome same principle was i had a conversation with my coach about my weight and my body. So I compete as a, an under 64 weightlifter and I have always been. Mm. But now that I've gone back to Olympic weightlifting and my numbers have gotten, my numbers are BC before COVID yeah. numbers. And <laughs> <BC>. <laughs> oh, we have literally yeah. just like new, new, new generation. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> um, she said that you, I want you to start acknowledging and accepting your, the way your body will change and your weight will increase if if getting better at your sport is your number one and that getting better at your mm. is number one. She said you will most likely complete at 71. And from 64 Whoa, to so 71, that's a big jump. That's yeah. a jump. Yeah. That is so big. And yeah. every single, because I have to weigh myself every single day, every day my... First time I weighed myself, I was 64, and then three months later, three months now, mm. I'm already 67.5. I'm not. I'm actually not ashamed. I'm with anything. So I'm just like I'm 67.5, but look at how, the way I'm moving. Yeah. yeah. And you look fabulous, my new Danny. You look incredible. Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm. I'd feel less injured. I feel less niggles compared mm. to when I was competing at 64, and so. It's become something greater than, you know, my body image issues. I'm not yep. invalidating or like putting it, minimizing it. But sometimes when you have, when you're doing something for with a purpose mm. that's bigger than yourself, yep. it's easier to accept. And Absolutely. I feel like pregnancy yep. is like that too. You grow in something. You're actually 100%. Yeah. And yeah, it's a really good point. You do have to put your physical needs mm. and or the baby obviously you know first yeah and i've said this to lots of clients about you know accepting where you are in your sort of life stage right there and then is so important yeah. to sort of harness first mm. if you've got specific goals you know so many people 
are living in the in the past and I want to get back to here I want to get yeah. back to how I looked then and I want to do this when I was 20 it's like well you're not bloody 20 anymore no. you're 30 yeah. things are different you know <laughs> all of these things are yeah. different you should not look like you did when you were 20 mm. simple as that but going back to what you're saying is putting you know other things first like the health of you know uh, the pregnant woman and the baby is so much more important mm. and, and and getting help sometimes to to work out what that actually is is also yeah. important you know what you eat and you know how you live your life does need to change a little bit mm. compared to your pre-pregnancy self and then same out the other end you know once the baby is here if you're breastfeeding your nutritional requirements to keep your milk supply up and to care for a baby to 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 manage you know sleep deprivation and all of these other things what you need to nutritionally take in and then how you live your lifestyle does need to uh, reflect what your life stage is actually going through and that's not the same as you know that pre-pregnancy self either and that's where you know calorie restriction does not apply yeah. and even <laughs> at all yeah and when we you have a really that, bad time <laughs> even that for christmas dinner or like you know, when for example like you're at, you're at a party all that kind of stuff you also things that you enjoyed before so like drinking all that kind mm. of stuff those things are now put on hold for the greater good for the greater good absolutely yeah. and with your sports performance side of things it doesn't mean that you can't have a drink ever again no. But for the time being, while you have this goal, you're going to get so much more out of yourself Mm. if you are more disciplined in some areas. You know, the same with, you know, stopping alcohol. That's like a kind of a no-brainer when you're pregnant. But it's when you do focus on, on, I guess, the the end goal, yeah, it's way more rewarding. Absolutely. Mm. How do you find balance between all of your responsibilities, all of your identities, so like as a mum, as a businesswoman, as a partner, as a daughter, everything, everything in between. How do you balance all of those? Well, <laughs> we should maybe title this um, this podcast, Going Back to the Basics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one yeah. is self-care. So mm-hmm. I do look after myself and I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect by any means in, you know, in everything either, mm-hmm. you know. I love chocolate, you know, I, you know, I love a glass of wine and, you know, I love naughty things too, but most of all, I care for myself first and I know that if I care for myself first and and do the work there, everyone will get the, you know, the best Georgie, you know, Lenny will get, you know, the best out of me you know mm. my partner Jack will get the best out of me holistic sister will get the best yeah, out of me of and my family will but if I don't look after me then I'm not going to be the person that they deserve and, and want to see mm. it also gives me I guess you know the mental clarity and the energy to that that I, that I want throughout the day as well mm. Um, sometimes saying no to things is just as valuable yeah. as well. You know, there might be times where mentally I don't want to be particularly social 
as I was saying before, I do, you know, love my own space. Yeah. So kind of scheduling time where I can sort of be on my own is, is really important for me. Mm. Getting rest when I need it and acknowledging that I'm not a good, I wouldn't say I'm a great rester and I'm not a very, I don't get a huge amount of sleep, but mm. just trying yeah. <laughs> hard at doing that, acknowledging that, it's, that it is important to get. But self-care is probably the biggest one and it, it does make me, be the best version of myself or, or you know, trying to, to be. And therefore, yeah. I, I can be that person to all of those different things and all the different hats that I wear. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, so we've got rapid fire questions. And so the first thing that comes to your mind, really. Ready? Yep, go for it. <laughs> um, what is success for you? Success for me is... Right, two things. Contributing yeah. to society in some way. You know, just being a cog on the wheel, I think, is actually kind of important. Mm. You know, whether that's a really small cog on the wheel or a big one, yeah. we all play a role in society. And I think if you are contributing to that in some way, I think there is that is part of success. But also finding joy and or reward in what you do every day as mm-hmm. well if you're whatever it is that you're you're doing if that's not making you happy in some way I don't believe that that is success or you're successful in what you yeah. are striving for I think you need to personally be rewarded yeah. you know and, and find joy yeah. in that um, if anything, you have to reward yourself. Absolutely. you're the only one who knows what you've done. Yeah. yeah, and I don't believe that it's, you know, uh, a title or a financial means defines mm. or refines success at, yeah. at all. If you're not happy, what is that money in the bank for? Yeah, absolutely love that. Mm. So nice. <laughs> Every morning I... Drink water yeah. without fail. Mm, that okay. is the first thing that I do, and again, encourage all my clients to do too. And if I haven't had enough water prior to eating or drinking, I oddly will often overeat those days yeah. too and not have the energy that I want. So, mm. water, number one. Yeah. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I had this conversation with Jack the other day, but we picked three places. If we could have three houses around the world when money isn't a question, where would they be? And they're all really different. You know, I think this is not like that much of a sexy answer. Besides where we live right now, I love Melbourne, I love Victoria. It would either be the Alps or New Zealand. Mm. I love New Zealand yeah. so much because it's stunning. It's got the mountains, yeah. it's got the beach, they have great food, they have great wine. Their culture. Their culture. Yeah. Kiwis are really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love New Zealand. There's yeah. so many fabulous things. I think it's a really livable, livable place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably if I was to live somewhere long term that wasn't Australia, it'd probably be New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. I'm not being, but it's definitely one of my one of the Yeah. I've only been to place. one country and that's Australia from the Philippines. <laughs> Maybe Singapore airport <laughs> for eight hours. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
yeah, they're all probably the Alps. I love the Alps. But then again, I think I would miss the beach in some way, yeah. whereas, you know, New Zealand kind of just has it all. Yeah. You know, and it's all kind of close. Like, it's it just such a small place that, you know, going from the mountains to the beach is, mm. is really accessible. Yeah. Mm. What's your hidden talent? Hidden talent. I don't know if it's a talent, but I'm really good at untangling things, like tangled up slinkies yeah. and things like that. <laughs> so, like, your brain kind of, like... Yeah, get really Probably deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because awesome. like if you've got like a tangled up slinky, like it it can be obviously untangled. So there you know, it, but yeah. I would find a lot of joy in going, yeah, give me the slinky. I will, I will yeah. I'll untangle that. I'll sit yeah. here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone listening you can get a slinky. <laughs> Send it my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> What's one thing about you that surprises people? I think that I'm probably more of an introvert than probably most people think and as I said before like I do love I do love being the centre of attention for that short period of time but it does take a lot from me and I do need Mm. my own space to um, rejuvenate and sort of you know recharge the batteries Mm. I suppose yeah and I guess also as a sensitive person yeah you take in a lot of other people's energy a lot yeah um because I feel that too. Like at the mm. end of like a really long work day, I'm just in front of my TV on my couch, just watching Queer Eye. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, slay, bitch. <laughs> and that recharges me. Totally. Yeah. How good is Queer um, Eye? <laughs> so good. Um, on Saturday, <laughs> um, during commissioning, I was just like, let's go, girls. Yeah. <laughs> just laughing. <laughs> so <laughs> great. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Um, yes. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? Don't get in touch with me. <laughs> I'm hiding in my own yeah. under a rock. Um, so you can always contact me um, via the uh, Insta, the Holistic Sister Instagram page, the Holistic Sister. Mm. Our website is holisticsister.com.au. Yeah. yeah, best ways to to find me. You could mm. also physically find me often in the studio in the <laughs> with dog and yeah. baby in tow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually every time you walk through the doors and you bring Lenny in, it's always a treat. Yeah, it's oh, so seen, nice. I've seen you. It's always something that happens, even mm. when other mums are here too with their babies. It doesn't sink into me the power, the power, the women have, the power that women have. Yeah. Um, you know, just from carrying a baby and. Literally, what was it time Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And the same, every time I see the women bring their kids in, it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. And, yeah. and so it's amazing for them to, to witness, you know, their mum being yeah. in here doing something really good for themselves. Mm. Is um, The flow-on effect of that, I think, is really wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah, I love it. And with little babies too, they grow so fast. Yeah. So it's been kind of fun, isn't it, when you see, you know, newborns that have walked in here and you know not long later they're running around in here and you know they're talking and it's you know being part of that growth with them I think is really fun yeah it is and it's Mm. very um it's very rewarding yeah 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 it is what are you looking forward to most in 2022 oh because there's a lot happening for you yeah yeah um probably you know she's doing something different and I think I that excitement really probably did stem from a lot of the kids that I've seen here or kids that I've worked with at you know previous jobs in the past and my nephews of witnessing that rapid 
growth mm. is um, is really profound and you know I'm really looking forward to continuing having some time off that I can really be a part of that and yeah. and and yeah witness it be present mm. with with those changes because it happens so fast yeah. and, and fleeting that I you know I want to be there for her yeah. and um, yeah Just embrace all a little bit memories. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And that's a core memory for Lenny. I mean, she probably won't be able to remember mm. it, but um, yeah, just witnessing stages of life that are quite obvious. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just full of all, really. Yeah, it I is. Think. Awesome. Yeah. It's actually, it's, re it's been really good getting to know you. Thanks, Danny. Um, since we first met, obviously, like, you met during mm. the pandemic, and even the first time we met, it was via Zoom. Yeah. Um, when we were all locked down. Totally. Yeah, I know. Isn't that you, funny? You mentioned, you asked me about the podcast and all those things. And even when we were like facing the screen while I was being interviewed, I was like, this is actually podcast worthy. <laughs> like, <even though> <laughs> That's so nice. I remember saying that because yeah. like naturally as we do these days, we stalk each other, you know, when we sort mm -hmm. of, you know, and I saw that you had had a podcast. I remember listening to one. I'm like, oh yeah, we've got to get this girl in. Yeah. And, you know, I love, you know, your philosophy and your way of communicating mm. and things like that. So it was, it's funny how we, our first interaction was all online. Yeah. Um, yeah that kind of is. really does, you know, show the, the times that we're living in. But, yeah, how fun. Yeah. And I think creating a podcast has actually strengthened connections and I guess, like, humanises people. Mm. Because when I first met you, I was just like, she's my boss and, and all these things like you're the authority whereas now it's not equal but I see like just a human too just a human yeah too. Like absolutely yeah we essentially are yeah. you know more equal than you know you sort of often we give each other credit for when mm. you are in the workplace that yeah. you know everyone still has their own struggles and absolutely. you know they're not immune to other things yeah. either Awesome, George. Thank oh, you for being thanks, the Danny. Thanks for You're having welcome. me. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the episode. Please follow the podcast on Instagram. That's rest between sets. Podcast. The links to reach out to Georgie and her sixty star are on the show notes below. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review. And if you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please share to them as well. It helps me keep the mics on and create an impact to more listeners who are ready to take charge of their life. And remember, you got this. One breath at a time, one day at a time. Stay dope. Peace.